Welcome, Guardians. It's March 20th, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode 18, and this week we are going to head to the edge of the light in our system to talk about one of the most influential conflicts in the more recent Destiny lore, uh, a battle between the Awoken of the Reef and the uh, Fallen, the Reef Wars. So although they were short, the impact of the Reef Wars is still felt uh, all the way into the events of the Taken King. So this show, we're going we're gonna to try to focus on the skirmishes that's outli- that are outlined in the uh, Maraid. Is that right? Maraid? The Maraid. Yeah, the Maraid chapters uh, we received during the, uh, the House of Wolves content. Uh, so, this week I've got with me, I'm X-Ray441 by the way, and this week I've got uh, Handsome Dragon. How's it going? It's going good. Been uh, staying busy with uh, work and didn't get to uh, enjoy spring break too well, but uh, at least I didn't have to go to class at 7 in the morning. So Yeah, that's a, that's a plus. That's a plus. <laughs> um, and then uh, straight off of his recent appearance on the Guardian Radio podcast, Drop Slash. How's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a been kind of a busy week, crazy week. So I also have spring break, but because I work at a school, uh, there's a lot of work that gets done over the spring break. So I've been a little bit busy with that, but happy to be recording a show. So absolutely, looking to, yeah. Look, looking forward to this topic too. It felt weird listening to you talking to other people. I was kind of, <laughs> I, I felt kind of like I felt a little jealous. I did. You know? I did. For one, because. Uh, well, we need to apologize, by the way, to everyone that we did not have an episode last week, and it was a combination of a few things. Um, you know, we had Drop Slash was on uh, on on another another podcast, and uh, we were trying to figure out what topic to do. And there's so many topics that we all want to be a part of, uh, and and the few that we had set up to go were ones that he was pretty passionate about, so we didn't want to do those without him. So we we're trying to come up with something new mm-hmm. to do. And the daylight savings time threw us off a little bit. All of our, <laughs> all of our times changed except for handsomes, and and so it just it threw me for a loop, so. and and I was I was confused. So it's it's <laughs> you can blame me as per usual, but uh, we'll make up for it. We'll make up for it. Yeah, me and Beta went from being on the same time to now he's an hour later, and now you and Gabble X-ray are two hours later. Right. So it's like right. It's like yeah. So. So and besides, you guys don't want to rasput an episode without Drop Slash on there. So I think we I think we did a service for you guys. Yeah, that's true. Off. That's true. Well, it was funny when we were when I was looking over the show notes. I'm like, oh, there's the the guys didn't do a show today. What what the possible shows? Well, there's King's Fall. Well, that's sort of my baby. There's Rasputin, mm. which I love to hate. Uh, there's the fan questions episode, and I don't want to miss that for anything. Uh, yeah, so. that was kind of the. the top of the discussion we had it was like well what show can we do that he doesn't really want to be on and we're like well there's, there's we not really one, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no matter what other shows i appear on uh ghost stories is always my home well you know what though you know who didn't take a break last week sherbert pop and jared b they both are still mm-hmm. drawing drawing some amazing artwork for us or not not necessarily for us but for themselves and and we're kind of reaping the benefits because we get to to post that out on Twitter and in our in our chats, and it's just some crazy cool stuff. If you haven't seen any of that artwork, you gotta go check it out uh, at Sherbert underscore Pop and at Jared B 
underscore I-L-L-U-S-T. Go look at their Twitter accounts and check out their artwork. The most recent one from from Sherbert. Oh my gosh. So, so good. So That's good. Amazing. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my best to kind of, of hit the 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 points that'll draw people in. But so with our with the recent um uh I guess announcement from from Bungie and the uh, the little teaser of the the uh the sh- well we don't know that you know the whole taken guardians thing and and shaders and, and we're not saying that they're taken guardians because it's no, not a not a we thing are. we're no we're absolutely saying absolutely they're not. not taken guardians guardians in house of wolves armor with the appearance or the 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 kind of look of that the taken have uh were was on the the recent update for Bungie, and so obviously that 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 kind of leads us almost back to the House of Wolves, or not the House of Wolves, but the Prison of Elders, and uh, so Sherbert Pops, <laughs> Sherbert Pops comic is basically Oryx on trial, and them trying to decide what to do with uh, with them, and we've got Varix pretty happy to to try to put Oryx in his in his prison, and. We've got the uh, stenographer heiress over in the corner, you know, taking notes on her little little key, her little typewriter, and uh, the jury. Well, let's just say they they couldn't come to a decision, so they're a hung jury. Get it? Uh, but they all they're all sitting in the jurors' box, holding hung hung jury scout rifles. And man, I saw that and I about fell out. It was it was hilarious. So anyway, go check it out. It's so good. And then and then uh, sorry, Jared is. Is uh he does more of a comic strip style like the the what you'd expect from uh almost like a, a oh what's like I guess it's it's re- more like a Marvely DC kind of of artwork does that sound appropriate Yeah, in terms of a style like yeah. a comic book comic book style versus like a web comic style Right, right. And uh, and so he he teased us out. Oh, these days, that's not much different. Yeah, there are amazing. Yeah. There are some amazing web comic artists out there. But uh, it's he he teased us out his his uh, one that he's working on now. He didn't have it colored or any any uh, words in it yet. But uh, but it's it's gearing up to be something good. I'm not even gonna tease any of that out because that's his to 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 put out there publicly. He's just, he said he's releasing it to, to just the fan chat to start off just to show nice. us. So if you want to, if you want nice. some exclusive stuff from uh, the art scene that we are a part of now, uh, you got to come join us in the fan chat, which you can do. If you send us an email at destiny, stories at gmail.com. You can also find us out there on Twitter at, uh, at D ghost stories. So find us those two ways. Um, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. We're still working on getting some of the the <laughs> old episodes up on YouTube. I had a little a little uh, hiccup in in getting some of them worked on this past week, but I'm gonna keep trudging through and try to get them out there. And uh, we're also have Twitch, and it's funny because every once in a while we get a uh, uh, a notification that says someone's following us on twitch and i'm like yeah we use that account once so i guess it's valid (laughs) (laughs) we'll take all the followers we can um well we got some ideas i think for that and we'll talk more about that in in april Uh uh-oh 
That sounds oh. like <laughs> sounds like fun. I know the secret. Um, <laughs> oh, and I, I also want to apologize for myself because I am on hour forty-one-ish of no sleep. And oh, man, so, man. yeah, it was a combination of work and life and kids and everything else. Just, just, yeah, it's, it was bad. But anyway, I couldn't miss the episode because we didn't have one last week. So I am sacrificing part of my life. I think that I've read that if you don't sleep for a long time, it actually takes years or whatever's off your life. So I am dying a little bit right now so that I can be on this podcast for, for our listeners. Um, not really, but I, I just had, I couldn't miss it after not having one last week. We just, we all felt terrible about it and we wanted to get this out. So, all right, where do we go from here? Wait a minute. What was that message I just saw? So something just showed up kind of out of the blue and uh, I guess we're going to have a, a guest on this episode and it is the Legend Blue. So Legend Blue, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi, hi. Thanks for having me. I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Bife for letting me be on the show. It's very kind of him to uh, <laughs> fall asleep, especially since it's a topic I'm uh, very, very good with because I love the Reforce and I know he loves it too, but, you know, sleep is much more important. <laughs> Snooze you lose? Yep. I mean, that's how it is. That seems fair to me. So, Bife, what are you going to do, brother? You gotta, you're going to have to make it up now. You're going to have to show up we're gonna make a little contest here, I guess. See, uh, <laughs> see who can who can woo our listeners more. Um, <laughs> well, we we talked about this earlier. We missed our our uh, our episode last week, so we didn't want to want to delay much longer. Uh, so we're gonna go ahead and get into it. We're gonna go ahead and and skip a little bit of our our normal uh, things we do early on in the in the show as far as the fan questions and ignored lore we're gonna we're gonna drop that this week uh just because we've got a lot of a lot of ground to cover with these refours and we want to see if we can get a a good bit of it uh going here so uh the refours the refours uh were a series of conflicts that took place in the asteroid belt between the awoken of the reef and the fallen house of wolves um the wars ended with uh, Skolas's confinement in the prison of elders and uh, Queen Mara assuming the Kelship over the wolves, bringing the defeated fallen into her realm. So these, the details of, of this, this battle or the, the wars uh, came to us in the Maraid. So how, how did they get started drop? Well, to the reef wars, before we go too deep into it, let's talk about the refours. We mentioned this in the intro are connected to so much in the destiny universe. They're obviously connected to the house of wolves, but it's tied in a lot into what we know about the awoken. It's tied in very closely with the battle of twilight gap, which is a huge sort of point of history for, uh, the earthbound factions. Uh, it ties into the taken King, which we just got through. Uh, there's all kinds of like, weird mystery and intrigue that go on but the refours themselves really started uh with the house of kings uh here on earth and they were organizing a massive attack against the city and the tower uh this is what will become to known as the twilight gap uh because they were presumably trying to reclaim sort of the the great machine the traveler 
So they managed to rally the House of Devils uh, also on Earth and the House of Winter from Venus. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the kings also sent sort of messages to the wolves who are way out by the in the Jovian area. So just either in just inside the reef or just beyond the reef. Uh, and that was uh, Verixis, who was the Kell of Wolves. Amassed his fleet, got everyone together, got all his, the wolves together, and proceeded to fly through the asteroid belt on his way to Earth. Uh, and then was intercepted by the Awoken. And this is sort of where the Reef Wars begin. Uh, so this is all prior to Twilight Gap. Twilight Gap ends up happening anyway. And we'll go into this a little bit more, but. The other houses come to really despise the House of Wolves for not helping them here because they didn't know that it was the Awoken who blocked them in the reef from even getting there in the first place. And in fact, much later on in House of Wolves, Petra tells us that the, uh, especially the kings uh, believe that Skolas betrayed them, but we're not even to Skolas yet. So, But this is the beginning. This is the very beginning of the Reef Wars. Uh, this is the House of Wolves pushing through the asteroid belt, trying to make it to Earth. Uh, and then they become intercepted by the queen. And then this is all outlined. These these conflicts are outlined in the Maraid, which we mentioned earlier. The Maraid itself is like this tome, this Awoken tome uh, that tells the history a bit. Yeah, it's kind of the the books of sorrow for the for the Reefors, and kind of dives into the, the history quite a bit there. And because kind of similarly, we only have you know a fraction. You know, we start off the story at, you know, what's it, book seven, chapter 10? Yeah. So there's uh, quite a bit of history before that that's still sure. unknown. So, and this is the first big question, really, uh, with the Reef Wars, is why did the Queen block the House of Wolves? Uh, far be it from us to understand many of the Queen's motivations. She does what she does because she's awesome and she does those things. Uh, but whether this was part of a really long play to gain the trust of the tower and the guardians, whether or not she needed to control the house of wolves for something, whether she was in league with the nine, like why she did this, we don't know. And it's still a huge question mark in the reef wars. Uh, maybe we'll find out one day, but <laughs> for now, her motivations are her own. So, uh, yeah, and the Maraid, the Maraid itself is actually an artifact. You can get it in game. You can't read it. Uh, I mean, you can read the chapters that we have here because they came with the House of Wolves. But the actual physical book itself is an artifact. The Chronicles of Queen Marisalva of the Awoken, compiled by the Primarchs of the Reef Cryptarchy. If you have it, I think it's, is it, is it a rare item? It's not legendary, I don't think. No, it's, it's a, a rare, rare item. So <laughs> you get you get the version you get. Yeah. Yeah, some of my favorite artifacts are, are the rares, unfortunately. But so let's let's start in with the chapters we have. So the 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 chapters we have start with book seven, chapter ten. Uh, and this comes from the Grimoire card Wanted Skolos, Kell of Kells. <clears throat> I don't know if we want to read these all the way through there's quite a few of them uh we can read parts or or, or if we or i can you want me to read a few or 
Uh, well, well, this one's not so. Well, this one outlies the Battle of Ceres, C E R E S. Uh, so this first one really gives us the details of where the wolves came from uh, and what they're doing. Uh, so, and it gives us an idea of the numbers. So yeah, let's let's I'll I'll bust through these. These are these are quick. Uh, so. <clears throat> The transmission was broadcast on all fallen frequencies, lacking at the time the ability to crack fallen encryptions. The master of crows uh, could discern only that the fallen houses were all talking to each other. And that thing, that is a thing that has never happened before. As a quick aside, the master of crows is Prince Aldrin. We know that. The Tekiuns looked earthward and saw the fallen becoming bolder, tactics suggesting they were planning a massive attack, but we had no planetary arrays, no way to warn Earth. <clears throat> we thought we'd be able to do nothing but watch. And the Tekiuns we know are the Tech Witches. They serve the Queen of the Reef. But then the wolves arrived from the Jovians. Their army was hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions strong. A dark wave that washed over the reef, rushing towards the earth. As soon as we saw them, it was clear that if the wolves reached earth, the city would fall. Seemingly oblivious to our existence, the bulk of the wolf fleet stopped to regroup at Ceres. The queen's decision was this, attack the house of wolves, thereby saving Earth, but revealing the reef's presence to any and all enemies in the quadrant, or remain silent, preserving the reef's invisibility, but allowing the city to perish. Her harbingers ripped into Ceres, destroying the asteroid and killing Varaxis, Kell of wolves, and more than half his house. The remaining wolves scattered, burrowing deep into the belt for cover. There, new claimants to the Kell ship quickly arose. Irxis, Wolf Baroness, Paraxis, the Howling, and Skolas, the Rabid. So it sounds like whenever they, you know, obviously when they stopped to regroup, that's when Mara kind of saw her, her opening chance. Yeah, her opening mm -hmm. to, to jump in there and do something. But, you know, you kind of have the question, you know, is she's, she's saving the Earth, which isn't, aren't, don't they have a, a little bit of an issue, the Awoken, uh, with the, the reef awoken with the the earth born awoken yes i mean that's also true uh you know earth born awoken you know come from generational lines uh from people awoken who originally believed to come from the reef uh and the queen is not overly fond of sort of awoken who decide to claim earth as their home versus the reef itself so yeah so do we know why she i mean I guess that doesn't mean she has a total disdain for, you know, Earth in a whole as a whole. But do we have any idea if there was some type of, of benefit she would gain from revealing their presence there at the reef and protecting Earth? So that's yeah, that, I mean, that's the big thing here, right? Like, why did she do this? She could have kept the reef a complete and total secret. Right. Uh, and the wolves would have passed right by. And I mean, the wolves potentially could have discovered her there but they were still mm -hmm. answering the call to earth so right uh, i think from the fallen i think it's the fallen three where it describes that battle more in, in detail it it sounds like they at least knew who the queen was they knew about the woken and they knew about the reef while they may not have known the exact location of it so i think even if they were safe at that time i think the queen knew that this was you know, a good 
action to take because it was only a matter of time before they were discovered or or something and with the troops you know in the millions you know that's <laughs> that's a pretty large army yeah she may not have gotten a better chance anytime in the future so she needed to jump on it sounds like so yeah if you look at grimoire card awoken uh it said it said that the awoken were born in the collapse descended from those who try to flee its wrath something happened to them out, of, out on the edge of the deep black and they're forever changed so pretty much today the woken most of the woken live in a distant reef um but there are many that return to earth where you know the descent their descendants they fight for the city so pretty much the, the earthborn awaken who go out to the reef they're hoping to learn secrets of the reef but they really don't find any special welcome due to the due to the queen and how uh, reclusive she can be and that makes sense she's been trying to keep the reef secret for a long time so if you know, awoken and returning to their reef from Earth, and then she allows them to leave again. They could just go and tell everybody about their reef. Right. So it doesn't really work well for her trying to keep all this stuff secret. Right. I love and, how this... Uh, okay. And it's it's sort of like, you know, you can say that, you know, you're a part of something or you're, you're from a line of, like, a certain individual who was a part of a certain something. But really, the Awokens that you know were born or reborn in the light from the from the from the actual city itself aren't actually Awoken. They may be called Awoken, but you know if you're an Awoken, you actually go to the reef. You're not considered Awoken by the other actual Awoken people who live there in the reef, because really you're not. You didn't go through all the hardships that they did to get to where they are today. And I guess in a way, I feel as they're offended whenever these so-called Awoken. Uh, descendants from the city come to the actual reef because you know they didn't go through the harsh um you know survival uh traits that they had to go through in order to get where they are now yeah i mean that's totally understandable too where the awoken of the reef have faced a lot more sort of like heinous hardships than than maybe some of the awoken on earth did so yeah they probably don't even you know, can't even relate to what an Earthborn Awoken existence would be like, much less welcome those people to their homes and have those people be like, oh, well, I'm totally Awoken too. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, they're like, like the ones with the silver spoons grow- in their mouths growing up, you know, it, it's... <laughs> yeah. They grew, up on the, they grew up on the right side of the track. It's like, yeah. what's that What's that? Um, That BS disease that um, they come up with, like uh, that one guy who murdered all those kids uh, while driving and they used as a defense, what's it called? Um, I don't know, but it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it was they use as a defense that one kid in Texas because he uh he was driving under the influence and then he just killed a bunch of kids and well, you know, drunk driving and it crashed. And then um uh, affluenza, I think, right? No, not influenza. Um Oh affluenza. Yeah, affluenza, yeah, yeah that. Going off topic there anyway. <laughs> yeah, so affluenza, psychological malaise, supposedly affecting wealthy young people. Symptoms <laughs> which include lack of motivations, wow. feelings of guilt, and sense of isolation. <laughs> There's a yeah. just cause to kill some kids. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the uh, that's the Earthborn Awoken, by the way. They're, yeah, <laughs> they're, all, they're all just they're they're they just have no they don't have anything to do, so they're like motivated. <laughs> yeah. Life life is easy. Uh, life is easy in the tower. Um, right. Although we can't visit the city, <coughs> uh, you know, life is pretty easy. 
All right. I love the uh, just the tone in that card too, where it's you know it lists the queen's her choices. You know she can attack and save Earth, or you know remain hidden and preserve preserving her her uh, location at the time, and then it just instantly her harbinger is ripped into Ceres. Like there's no hesitation. There's no outlet. You know longer planning. It's just that that was her decision. Immediate well, I- action. And then we get a lot more detail. So this battle that occurs between the House of Wolves and the, the sort of the ambush by the Awoken, this is greatly outlined in Ghost Fragment Fallen 4, which is the scatter. Uh, and it goes into real detail about mm-hmm. exactly what happened out there. Uh, when What's interesting is that, you know, the Maraid is told from the Awoken perspective. Uh, but these Ghost Fragment Fallen cards are told from the Fallen's perspective. Uh, so you get sort of a different, not a different view, but a different perspective on the exact same event. Uh, and there's some great lines in this card. This card's really long. I'm not sure that we need to go into it word for word, but there's a great line here. The salvation of the Kells people depend on their ability to shatter the city. And then obviously the people in the city's viewpoint is that in order to... <laughs> In order for them to survive, they have to destroy the fallen. It's all the stuff that happens with like Saint Fourteen and uh, mm-hmm. Twilight Gap and things like that. So they, the fallen and the humans, or the fallen and the the tower, share a very similar sort of perspective here, where we need to destroy the other in order to maintain our own survival. Yeah, that's why this is so good too, is because it's like I said, similar to the the books of sorrow. You know, you're getting to see the perspective of who we consider our enemy who are fighting for the same kind of things we are as far as, as you know, the, the benefit of their race and their people, you know, mm-hmm. survival. That's what right. everyone's fighting for. And it seems like Varixus was very determined to get the house of wolves to earth. It wasn't like he was, you know, messing around here. He wasn't planning on not going. He, he had his whole fleet. And they were on the way. Like if they had landed, the Twilight Gap would have turned out much differently. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they they put all their eggs in one basket for a reason. They wanted to to they wanted to win. You know, they yeah. otherwise they wouldn't have sent such a, a massive army. And I love the when it start, actually starts outlining the battle on this card. Um, there's some really great quotes uh, as well. Um, yeah, there's some there's some good stuff here. There's this paragraph here. So out there coming out of the dark are the awoken. Not so great a fleet, is it? Little fingers scattered around like four pointed thorns. Destroyers and frigates and salvaged hulls pulled out of the reef. And right at the front of the, at the spear tip flies the queen. So the queen knows that she cannot necessarily go gun to gun against the house of wolves but she still leads from the front uh we see her do the same thing against uh oryx and the dreadnought where she is in the flagship right at the front she's just a badass uh she's just like an example of this like (laughs) the best general ever i mean you know you have confidence in your army when you're out there in the front just saying hey you want it you want some come get some and not to mention though um, as you mentioned earlier, the ha- the Harbingers, or I can never pronounce them, Harbingers, they are crazy. And <laughs> I mean, just the amount of power that they have 
is just mm-hmm. crazy. Like she can take out anything she wants to. She has this unlimited power with these heartbringers, and it's they're just really interesting because, I mean. What are they really? I mean, are, could they? I, I mean, are they ships themselves? You know, could they be golden age weapon systems that are salvaged from like um, some ancient um, weapon system? I mean, because um, if you look at the Grimoire card on Void Damage, it uh, says that like the Void is uh, Void is uh, it's like I think like vacuum energy, and that the the uh, Bricks has his uh, servitors. They report something strong uh, wrong with the Void, and I think that. Um, this weapon that it interacts with the vacuum energy that the void gives off, and it, I think by suppressing the creation of the positive uh, virtual particles, and then suddenly it just floods the whole entire area with all with all the void with the antimatter. Um, but I mean, you know, it's just really crazy what mm-hmm. kind of technology we have that the queen has, and just that she can just wipe out nearly all the fleet. Just how? <laughs> yeah, this this confrontation. The, I love this card. I mean, it outlines this confrontation, uh, and we get a real sense of also the of Varaxis here, the Wolfkell, that he is. He's nothing like Skolas. Like this guy is like an honorable leader of the fallen. Uh, and we have this great thing that the Wolfkell, practical and brave, tallies strength of metal and equipment. <clears throat> The Kel considers the chance that the Awoken have some secret weapon, something gleaned from the hulks of the reefer whispered up by the witches, and he sets that chance aside. The Kel thinks that the House of Wolves can win decisively, so the Kel sends a challenge and warning. And I love the sign, I am Lord of Wolves, the Kel sends. You are an empty thing with two dead souls. This is my house. These are my terms. Surrender, and I will take only your ships. Uh... And so I put, I made a little note here on the uh, Lord of Wolves, which is from the weapon Lord of Wolves. It says, by this right alone do I rule. Uh, but this next line, an empty thing with two dead souls. Now, this is not a show about the Awoken. This is a show about the Reforce, but it's hard to ignore this line and what it means. Uh, so I pulled a bunch of stuff here. Uh, you know, the big one here is from Ghost Fragment Awoken 3. Uh, you're welcome to read that. It talks about somebody coming to terms with being awoken. Uh, but there's some lines in here that are very much, you know, I still had this other within question. Uh, but the human side was what mattered, weak and foolhardy and sure to fail in the next moment. That is why I was afraid. Uh, <clears throat> I was trying to focus and a new thought took me. My soul lay between two entities and that's how I am still the boundary, the seam, the friction. So the, the Kell of wolves is very much aware that the fallen are something much different than either human or whatever the other half of an awoken is. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of my, my comment from earlier. I was like, well, they might not know where the reef location is. Like they seem like they know about the witches. They uh, they seem to know something about the uh, awoken history. So while that location may be safe, I think part of the reason for the queen's attack was because there was still some knowledge out there between them, and it was probably only a matter of time. I I think it's, it's also. Go ahead. 
Uh, I think it's more than just that. I don't think it's that they know exactly who the Awoken is, but whom the Awoken associate with. And by that, I mean that the Awoken and the Nine are definitely closely linked. Uh, like Skola stated, um, why did the Awoken whisper to the stars to listen, listen for the whisper back? The voices from the Jovians, the song in the dark. And, you know, as we know, the Nine are said to rule beyond the Jovians. I think, the, as mentioned before, the Harbingers were uh, sent by the Nine, whatever they may be. And that the Nine obviously has to do with this. Um, also, to mention something else, is that um, the Queen, uh, she specifically mentions that both the light and the darkness, that she can control them. And is it po- I think, is it possible that the Woken have found a way to forge weapons with both powers, so both the light and darkness, so she can make this super weapon? And obviously, with the Nine and their super eternal, uh, you know, sort of entity, you know, this obviously could be possible. But, you know, that, that goes back down to, like, the main question. Like, who really is the Nine, and why would they, you know, go with the with the, the Awoken over, say, the Fallen, where they obviously have the numbers in this situation? Like, what is this overall goal that everyone's trying to achieve here? What is the Fallen trying to conquer Earth for? And well, why? the fallen, one, the yeah. fallen one, the traveler back, right? But that means, but the, if you go back deeper with the nine and then the Jovians, and how you know, pretty much they all have to deal with the whole creation of the traveler, it, it's just too deep to all process in one freaking <laughs> podcast. If I just kept rambling on for an hour, I'm just trying to condense paragraphs into like sentences, pretty much. Um, there's another reference to sort of this two dead souls thing, uh, and that's by Skolas uh, in Ghost Fragment Fallen 3, uh, where he calls them the slavers who played us against each other and docked us into subservience, these sly, sterile unpeople, these migraines with cold minds twinged to their own. So it's, it's interesting because this very much you know, an empty thing with two dead souls could be the description of a guardian if you really got down to it uh, between the ghost and the guardian. Ooh, that's deep. Uh, <laughs> but there's, as as far as we know, there's no guardians out here yet. This is still very much just between the fallen and the awoken. So mm-hmm. well, I think something good to to mention too is the whole, the whole comment about docked us into, I, I don't see the, the quote, but into uh Submission. What was it sir, submission? Yeah. Um, just because I know that that we're starting to pull in a lot of listeners who are are still learning about this, but the docking process, from what I understand, is the removal of one pair of arms. Correct? Yes. And that uh, basically is is a way of when they when they're docked into submission, they kind of drop a rank or a level, so to speak. Uh, so they they would drop from what a uh, Vandal to dreg is the simplest Thank you. one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so that that's kind of what that, that comment meant. So when you hear anything related to docking in the Fallen, it, it has to do with normally, uh, or for the most part, removing of a pair of arms to, to knock them down a notch, so to speak. I also love this last line, uh, surrender and I will take only your ships, which I believe is a really noble gesture by Taraxis. You know, the the fallen value ships so much. You hear that just hanging out around Varix. He's always talking about getting his hands on more ships. Uh, but he's not. He doesn't want to kill the Awoken. He's he's like you know 
hey, let me pass through. I'll take your ships, but you will be alive. Stay here at the reef. I have no desire to murder you. I got better things to do. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty bold statement for, you know, especially if the queen of the reef is flying directly at him, like at the tip of the spear. Uh, and he's like, okay, I get it. But just this is my final offer, surrender. But then the queen's response to this is sort of even better. Uh, the queen's ship brought queen's ship broadcast. I am noble too, she says. Oh, Lord of Wolves! And we can't pull tone out of this, but I like to imagine that this is the the queen throwing some snark at him, uh, like, "Oh, your nice title, Oh, Lord of Wolves!" Uh, but I am, mm-hmm. I am, I am a queen here. You are flying into my home. Yeah, emphasis on Lord and, you know, yeah, I can totally, I can totally hear it. Ed. Yeah, and then you can tell the Kel still doesn't really take the uh, the battle seriously quite yet. And you mentions you know, Kel doesn't mind a little banter before the kill. <laughs> uh, but this next line, so it gives the wolf ships longer to draw the battle away from Ceres. The wolves value Ceres. It is it is their home. This card opens up with this great sort of description of Ceres uh, as the white queen of this space. Uh, round, round means power. Out here, nothing else in the belt is big enough to crush itself into a sphere with its own gravity. Uh, it has its own chemical stars. So, and Ceres is a very unique asteroid. And these names are going to come up a lot in the, in as we read through these uh, for Vesta Ceres, like all these different asteroids, but Ceres is one of the biggest, and it has like proto-atmospheric conditions. It has chemical and mineral deposits. It's huge, and it can support mm-hmm. the entire House of Wolves. Like this is, I think, like Verixus very much considers Ceres the home of the House of Wolves, uh, and he does not want to give this up, and he doesn't want to get destroyed either. He needs to lure the Awoken away from it. Which doesn't turn out so well for him. <laughs> and then he replies to the queen, you have no line, you have no power. So were they very... And he knows she might. I think this is more of sort of... He doesn't respect her as a queen. He does not acknowledge that she is any kind of royalty or nobility. Mm-hmm. She comes from no house. She comes from a junkyard that floats, you know, between Mars and Jupiter. <laughs> So claiming to be queen is sort of laughable at that point for him. But then we get this like most famous line, I think, for the queen, uh, which is quoted up, down, left, right. Every time anybody talks about the queen, they quote this line, which is starlight was my mother and my father was the dark. Mm. And this is the line that Blue, you had mentioned, which is the servitors begin to report a strange taste in the void. Mm hmm. And I just, just confirm the traveler was a female. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I like, I like that because, you no, know, I I try to close my eyes and imagine it in a in Kristen Potter's voice and you'll hear epic tone. He's like, "Starlight was my mother," and then it says, "You know, the queen ship whispers an eerie, erratic radio burst," and then the servers begin to report strange taste in the void. Like, and my father was the dark. And I just, and then here it says, here at last, too late, the kill begins to feel fear. And it's like, just not even how powerful the queen is, it's just her, her voice just 
now he's just he's feeling it. He's like, ah, oh, this she may be more powerful than I thought. <laughs> I love that he's defiant to the end, though. Call, yeah, call on them then and see what help they can offer. Uh, so she does, and this is the first sort of we get this chronologically. This is our first experience with the Harbingers. Uh, I love this. It, the queen calls as only she can. Every servitor and every catch hears it. Every captain and baron roars at their underlings as sensors go blind, as firing solutions falter, as reactors stutter and power systems hum with induction. Stealth fails. Space warps. The house of wolves shouts and spikes of war code maneuvers wild, fires blind. Behind the queen's ship, the harbingers awaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so this is where we have the Harbingers, which is sort of like the super weapon of the reef. <laughs> uh, and we don't know a lot about what exactly they are. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because that there, that description kind of makes it sound like some sort of almost EMP device where it's disrupting all the electronics, all this, the stealth drives, the warps. and But then in the... Uh, the card before the book seven, chapter 10, you know, says the Harbingers ripped Zeris apart. And so it makes yeah. it sound more of like a, an attack. Um, and then we know in the, the Coven Grimoire card, uh, it kind of describes them more as, I don't know if organic beings necessarily, but like it talks about, you know, we cannot send them all talking about the dreadnought and the, all but one, the oldest. You know, take the children, tell her they don't they are to be planted into a dead thing to have children of their own. And so it's you know, what they are is a huge question mark to me. Like I like there's some Yeah, this is theories and stuff, but this is when it starts to spin <laughs> backwards towards the books of sorrow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like yeah, in that in the, the coven card, you know, they're all connected in a trance, uh communing as the ancients did. Ancient what? Who were the ancient awoke? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Speaking would tip their hand to the harbinger mines they kept here, trophies from an ageless war and weapons in their right hands. Yeah. So, so this thing, the coven have to communicate sort of telepathically or via a trance. Otherwise, the harbinger mines can hear them. Uh, so the harbinger mind sort of insinuates something, you know, either organic or vex related the vex are called greater minds and mind is a term that's used for vex mm-hmm. uh trophies from an ageless war the only ageless war we know is the one of the light versus the dark so far mm-hmm. so whether these are paracausal weapons whether these are like it's yeah what the harbingers are we don't we know that the the techion control them through the coven uh and we know that from if you stand around petra uh, there is a quote she has that says, why doesn't she just send in a slew of harbingers? Uh, have the witches lost control of them? So the, the coven does exhibit control over the harbingers, uh, but they do seem to have their own independent sort of like, like a, existence or intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even in the, the coven cards mentioned, um, like what if they are not wise enough for the dreadnought? Yeah. So. Yeah, this is, but we also know that the, well, no matter what they are, they failed miserably against the Dreadnought. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so in, in your, in your opinion, when, uh, in that cutscene for the Taken King, those white ball orb things, is that a Harbinger in your mind? 
Yeah, I believe that is an attack perpetuated by the Harbingers. Okay. I don't know. I feel as if they're those kind of attacks, like if it was a true Harbinger attack, I'd feel like it'd be much more dangerous. And obviously, with so much power, it's really hard to control, and that causes lots of collateral damage, which probably is what destroyed Ceres and the whole entire House of Wolves there that was uh, docked at Ceres. Mm-hmm. But we also, again, that opening cutscene, there may be a lot more going on than we think. Like, that could have been a complete... We're Actually, there's a great... I have somewhere in here a note about that, and we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. That whole attack by the Queen against the Dreadnought could have been a complete sham, like a complete and utter diversion designed to do something else entirely. So... Yeah, I mean, that could have just been an attack to allow the Harbingers to get into the Dreadnought wherever they were, you know, yeah. something like that. So. Or I feel as if it could have been simply just a diversion, as you said, but instead of that, intentionally so that the Cabal would attack the Dreadnought and send a distress signal to the Cabal's leaders in order for the Cabal to come here and then start a completely different war with the Cabal. Yeah, I mean, that's true, too. Without, you know, if 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 the Harbingers had destroyed the Dreadnought, that would have been a pretty abrupt end to that whole <laughs> that whole line. Right. Uh, uh, I can't imagine the threads on Bungie.net if that had been the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> there's your there's your, uh, expansion, there's your expansion, guys. The Dreadnought's <laughs> blown up. Go home, guys. <laughs> So that takes us into the Maraid, and this is book eight now, chapter one. So the Reforce have officially started. Uh, the The House of Wolves has faced off against the Queen and the Reef. The Reef has chosen to come out of seclusion, and the first thing that Marasov does is unleash the Harbingers on the House of Wolves and just decimates them. Uh, and that's known as the Scatter. So this is a short card. Uh, it just talks real quickly about what happens after that? So after the scatter, the front runner for the Kel ship was Erxus, Wolf Baroness, while Skolas and Perexus scrambled over Calix servitors. Erxus secured the command of the Orbix servitors, and we got a little mystery that evolves here. Uh, <clears throat> their history is still unclear, but the Orbix originate with a, either another fallen house, perhaps one that the wolves absorbed long ago, or a modification of the Calyx servitors. Either way, the Orbix servitors held permissions on the Calyx servitors, which allowed Urxus to wreak havoc among her rivals' forces at the start of the Reef Wars. <clears throat> so each house uh, has... So the, the, the hierarchy, if you're not familiar with the hierarchy of the Fallen, there's basically the Kel at the top. Uh, the two people who serve the Kel most directly really are the Archon and the Prime Servitor. Uh, and then each house has its own sort of like, for lack of a better word, family of servitors, uh, except for the House of Wolves, who have two. They have the Calyx line of servitors and they have the Orbix line of servitors. But the Orbix are not originally part of the House of Wolves, uh, and it seems as though they were part of a different house prior to this. Uh, Calyx are the servitors of the House of Wolves, and then so Calyx Prime uh, was their prime. Uh, and then we know way later down the line that the House of Wolves attempts to rebuild Calyx Prime uh, in Calyx Reborn. Uh, so. 
and then we'll we'll encounter both Calyx and Orbix uh, a little bit further as we go through this. Uh, there are entries for Orbix servitors in like scattered throughout the grimoire. Uh, you know whether we don't, we don't know we don't House of Rain House of Stone House they could be the House of Judgment servitors. Uh, uh, but we don't really know sort of where Orbix, the Orbix line comes from. Uh, there's a quote by Petra that says, uh, they say the Orbix servers once served a long lost fallen house. So that seems to be where it's going, but uh, there's no confirmation either way, sort of who these belong to. Uh, and then we obviously, I think we end up fighting in a prime's path we have to deal with orbix prime as well so and then there's the servitors in the prison of elders i it's crazy there's a lot of them <laughs> as we're going to find out like they all have these designations like under the prime so you have the prime servitor but then you have all the prime servitors sort of like enforcement servitors there's pilot servitors and mm -hmm. all kinds of weird things so yeah. uh may a lot of numbers it is interesting too that the as regarding the pilot servers, they they changed during the reef wars. Um, Skolas, um, he kind of he crafted new tactics for them. Um, yes. They originally they weren't uh, used as combatants. Um, their their purpose was just to man the flight of various fallen ships, uh, like crew transports and whatnot. But uh, Skolas kind of gave them new tactics, and uh, you know. To inflict destruction on upon the awoken during the war yeah we actually suicide attack yeah and then we encounter that as well uh when we're infiltrating the house of kings during the house of wolves uh Variks reveals that using servitors to jam comms uh using pilot servitors specifically was a reef war tactic uh, so there's that so that moves on to uh Book eight, chapter two. So now these entries are coming from uh, these wanted from the House of Wolves. These are all people or all fallen who had a role in the Reef Wars who were eventually captured and put in the prison of elders. Uh, and they're later released during the events of House of Wolves. Uh, but all these uh, served the House of Wolves uh, at some point. So these entries are tied to their individual character grimoire cards. If you're if you're looking for them, there's no real like maraid section of the grimoire, but they're all uh there are all these uh fallen sort of like House of Wolves fallen notorious individuals cards. Although I think they may be are they under the maraid in the actual grimoire itself? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll look it up. I think it is. If you, well, at least on Ishtar, if you just type, look up Maraid, they pop up on there. Yeah, well, and I'll love to Baxter, but he organizes things and things that True. make sense, not necessarily in the Grimoire. It might, not, it might not be how it is on the. Like, there's no messages the from Tolan section in the actual Grimoire, but. Uh, True, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, well, if one of you guys wants to look at this card, I'm going to look at the Grimoire right now. Uh, All right. Yeah, so chapter two, we'll get talked to. Uh, uh, about Picus, uh, the disavowed. It says, uh, "What Picus's assault lacked in finesse, it made up a, made up for in sheer numbers and desperation." 
Ursus's catches were pinned against Eos, and the two sides engaged in the bloody, bitter battle known as the Eos Clash, which left Ursus dead and both fleets nearly decimated. In the aftermath, the Crows salvaged one of Orbic's servitor, Necker Orbix 11, believed to be the last of its programming. Though technically a victory for Skolas, the Eos Clash came at a terrible cost for him. He docked Picus's arms and demoted him to Dreg as punishment for his recklessness. So there's a good example of the, uh, the docking that X-Ray was talking about earlier. But this is a, this is a big battle because here, uh, the front runner for the, uh, the kill ship for the, the wolves uh, was killed in this battle. So this kind of puts Skolas kind of in that, that front now. This is a big, big step right. for him. Well, so there, there is no Maraid in the actual Grimoire. It's all under Fallen Hunted, where you'll find all these cards. Okay. So there you go. Uh, so now yeah. it's Picus. Yeah, so he, he won the battle, but came at great loss to uh, Skolas's uh, fleet. Uh, both sides almost decimated. And so he gets punished. <laughs> and then we know, so th- this is another good example, this Eos Clash. Eos is 221 Eos, which is another large main belt asteroid. This is, this is all... No, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. This is all, I think, when we think about battles in our minds a lot, like we talk, like we think about like fighting aboard the Dreadnought, or fighting on Earth, or fighting on Venus. This is all happening in space. Like These are space battles <laughs> that are happening. This is all takes place inside the asteroid belt. And these are some pretty big asteroids, or, I mean, quasi-planets themselves. This is very much like, like naval warfare uh, out in the reef, out in the asteroid belt. Hmm. It's just funny, though, watching them all fight, though, in a way. Because, you know, after... All it takes is one person to die, and now you got... You have Ixis, Skolas, Perxus, and a uh, Kelship just uh, for the just fighting for the Kelship of the of the house, and you know when when Ixis took the control of the command of the of the Orbic Servitors, um, you know it gave her upper hand in the Reforce, but then she just um, but then Ixis was just killed um after Picus uh, uh serving the the captain serving Skolas this massive fleet of his own and just destroyed her catch at Eos. <laughs> like what are you what are you doing? Like it's just like they can they could easily just come together and just, you know, unite to try and take Earth and just, you know, try and or finish what the Queen started in a way. Or, you know, they can just do this and fight. And it's sort of childish in a way how their egos are just so inflated that they just take each other out and just do the the queen's work for them for for her in a way, mm-hmm. and yep. uh, it's just, it's really funny. And I'm sure um, uh, Rax is just like wherever he is after now he's dead, just like sitting there, just face by himself, like oh god, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is like the great tragedy of the fallen, right? Like after after losing. The great machine, the traveler, you know, and having their society basically splintered and shattered, they'd never managed to get past their own infighting. Like mm-hmm. they're divided into houses, they pick fights with each other, like they're always jockeying for position. Then we have stuff like this, where it's like one, you know, idiot drag crashes a ship and <laughs> kills an, you know, somebody <laughs> who's vying for possible kill ship. 
it's like you know th- this is what sort of keeps the the fallen suppressed more than anything the guardians do in our time or or anything the queen does like their infighting is what ruins them like they've i think varix often talks about maintaining honor like and what it means to be elixni versus what it means to be fallen and this is very much what why they're fallen mm-hmm. yeah Even in the, i think it's the first book of the Marie that we get you know it talks about how you know the the houses are talking to each other like all of them are talking to each other and that's never happened to before like they've been so disconnected that even you know aldrin and the reef can tell that something's up like they're all talking to each other (laughs) definitely um i just really wonder like what happened to calyx i mean Obviously, it's rumored that he could be hiding among the Anaki group in Jupiter, but it, there's just so many different things that go on, and I know this is a little bit different from where we are right now in the lore, but um, um, who, who just bursted into the, uh, into the House of Wolves, and they burst, uh, what's-his-face out, um, Axor. They, oh, so that's, yeah, that... That is uh, Tanix was hired by the House of Wolves to break out Ascor because uh, the House of Wolves loses their Archon and they need a new Archon Priest. Right. And I can't exactly remember, but it feels lower speculation, but that the Archon of the House of Winter was dead and that they're hoping that they would aid him in escape. The Axor agreed to be the new Archon Priest of the House of Winter. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Ascor, Ascor was part of the House of Wolves and was captured during the Reef Wars. Yeah, and then House of Winter hires Tanix to break Ascor out and take him back to Venus mm. because the House of Winter needs a new Archon Priest. Right, and he was a disciple of Calix Prime, so he probably already yes, had shock yes. ties to the win- to the House of Winter anyway. Yeah. So, anyway. yeah, it's the... Well... This is one of those things where I think people it's this is easily lost in the lore a lot. Uh, what happens to a lot of these more powerful fallen? We've killed a lot of really powerful fallen, uh, including uh, Skolas. But like the Kell of Kings is still out there. Some of these prime servitors are still out there. And we've seen that they have the ability to rally the fallen to them. Uh, and if we get to a point where there's only one Kell left, and only one Archon left, and only one Prime left, it's not a huge stretch to imagine that they would all unite under one house, because they need those things to survive. Hmm. Uh, except maybe House Exile on the moon, who we don't know what their power structure is, if they have a Kel, if they have an Archon, if they have uh, a Servitor, a Prime, or what. But Yeah, it's the House of Exile is very interesting, because um, if you remember... Uh, Cade Six recorded um, an interesting story of a female House of Exile Baron um, aiding him in combat against Hive on the Moon. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it doesn't. It never really stated any uh, sort of comradeship, comradeship, or any or any uh, anything between the races. But obviously, the sentiment was there. So maybe they're against the Fallen in some way, or what exactly they you know they have. But I mean, there's something else really in in the lore that you know sort of proves this. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're probably one of the most interesting houses just because we know nothing about them for the most part. And they helped one of our own. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <clears throat> so what is where does this take us to? Oh, this takes us to chapter three where we uh introduction of some new characters. Uh this is the Maraid, book eight, chapter three. Uh with Skolas and Perixis fighting, uh, no one expected either to attack the reef. So by the time Paladin Abrazire arrived at Amethyst, it was too late. The Silent Fang, who we deal with uh, later, uh, led by Drevis herself, had massacred almost everyone in the station, including coven leader Pinar Venge. Uh, Paladin Zyre gave chase and followed the Fang to Iris, where behind the glare of Iris's brightness, the wolf catch lay in wait. But the catch was no match for Zyre's smaller, faster ships or her ferocity. When the battle was over, however, it was not Drevis at Zyre's feet. It was Paraxis. <clears throat> or Pari- yeah, Paraxis. Uh, yeah. Greor, another of Skolas' loyal vassals, had attacked Paraxis' catch at the same time that Drevis had attacked Amethyst. He, too, had lured Paraxis to Iris, and the Silent Fang had used Iris's unusual brightness to disappear just as Zyre and Paraxis arrived in the system. Uh, That sounds all very complicated and weird. Here's what really, (laughs) like, here's what happened. This is Skolas being brilliant. Like, this is Skolas showing that he's ruthless, but he's really, really smart. He basically set Paraxis up to get killed by the Awoken. Uh, and he used the Silent Fang to do that. Hmm. So, this is a great, what a great, great tactical move by Skolas to sort of bait his mm-hmm. his only opponent he has left for Kelship uh, into getting themselves killed by uh, by Paladin Abrazire. And this Iris's brightness. Uh, this is the asteroid Seven Iris. Uh, it's a large main belt asteroid. Uh, it is the fourth brightest object in the belt. <laughs> so that's that's actually true. So yeah, this is a brilliant play by Skolas. Uh, and we also this coven leader Pinar Venge. That is that is the same last name as Petra. So there's a good chance that this is Petra's sister uh, in the grimoire card Petra Venge, Queen's emissary. Uh, she says, it was at your service that kept me from sorrow after Amethyst was raised. The loss of my sisters, my whole life as our station burned, it took something from me. So this is where Petra gets her intense, intense hatred for the House of Wolves and especially mm-hmm. Skolas. He he killed everybody that she knew <laughs> aboard Amethyst Station. So. Cut loose ends. Yeah, and so we uh we're kind of introduced a little bit to the uh the paladins of the awoken in their society. And uh so we we know that there are there are seven paladins and they're just they're the uh the the uh, royal guard of the uh, of the awoken, correct? Right. Well the yeah, a little bit. I mean the paladins yeah. are basically the highest ranking members of of the these, commanders. these seven, these seven paladins. Yeah. So there's four Armada paladins, there's two army paladins, and there's one Royal Awoken Guard paladin. Yeah, like the, yes. the paladins are like the top dogs of your military. And then you got the uh, Cosairs, which are like under the paladins, but above the emissary rank. Um, you can check that in the Petrus card. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's any Grimmar cards about the Sentinels, but if you look at the meaning of the word, uh, you can really much see if they're scouts. So 
you know, just bringing in a different kind of grimoire card here. Um, if you bring, if you think of the the Santa Maria or whatever that that um that orbit ship was that was out by where Suresh used to be, and it got hit by um one of the queen ships. I think that was a uh, <clears throat> a sentinel ship mainly because of you know it's a recon. I mean, not sentinel. Um, um, uh, sorry. Yeah, Sentinels. Actually, I was right. <laughs> I want to second guess myself. This is what happened when you do a podcast at one thirty in the morning. Um, so yeah, I pretty much think the Sentinels did that as a scout because I think that that orbit was also getting close something at Ceres that uh, we that the Reef doesn't want us to see yet. Uh, but that's all speculation, of course. But going back to the main topic of Paladins, so obviously there are there are seven Paladins. So you have uh, four Armada Paladins, and they have two Army Paladins, and then you have Amogen Rife, who died. Um, yeah, yep, she was an Armada Paladin. Yeah, she was also an Armada uh, Paladin, um, which her most uh, noted role was the capture of Drevis and High Servitor Claxus IV when she tricked the, the Wolf Baroness to steer directly into the course of the asteroid uh, Bamberga, I believe it was. I forget yep. the pronunciation on it. Um, but she was attacked by Pacerius' fleet at the Asteroid Palace, uh, which started a siege. But um, she was killed trying to free Drevis and Clexus IV. And after her death, um, she, uh, Imogen arrives. Uh, Hallam Fen managed to break the siege of Palace and transport Drevis to Vesta, and was upon doing so given the empty spot of Armada Platon. So that's how that happened. And also, uh, Petra sells two uh, shaders at Queen's Rank yep. Rank Three, at Mogan's Fire, and Palace of Victorious, which are references to the Siege of Palace and some of the other events. Fun fact for you. Yes, she does. Now you so, guys can contribute. Was it well? What what you just outlined uh, was Chapter Four uh, of the Maraid, Book Eight, Chapter Four, which is. Uh, uh, Imogen Rife uh, chasing Drevis uh, into Bamberg's trajectory. So this is a it's one of, another one of those great sort of like tactical moves that happens during the refors. Uh, oh, I see you're, you're on my Hygia note here. Mm-hmm. So after a string of defeats uh, at Amethyst and at Hygia, so that's ten Hygia, which is a fourth largest asteroid in the solar system. Uh, also, uh, Hygia Nobilis, which is the scout rifle. So Hygia was, it's not just an asteroid, it's actually where most of the Reef's cryptarchy is located. Uh, and from Hygia Nobilis we get, the Reef cryptarchy's Hygia division is its largest, with over half of the asteroid devoted to their sprawling library. So, again, when we're talking about these asteroids, we're not talking about like these giant chunks of rock floating in the asteroid mm-hmm. belt. These are like developed subplanets. So Amethyst, Hygia, uh, Iris, which we'll talk about. Uh, you know, Prince Aldrin's crows finally make headway against the wolves' encryption. They quickly discovered a seemingly unimportant piece of information. The House of Wolves has incorrectly calculated the eccentricity of the asteroid Bamberga. So, and this is when, as uh, Blue, you just sort of laid out for us, uh, Imogen Rife lures Calix and Drevis uh, into the path of Bamberga and it just wrecks their catch. <laughs> yeah, destroyed it. Uh, 
And this is a decisive victory for the reef. But then, as you said, on her way back to Vesta, which is for Vesta, uh, which is an asteroid, which is the Vestian outpost, uh, Rife is attacked by Pallas, or attacked at Pallas. Sorry, Pallas is not a person. Pallas is a place. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Pallas is to Pallas, the second asteroid that's discovered after Ceres. It's the third most massive asteroid uh, in the belt. And just, just so everyone knows, the Vestian outpost is not the reef. It's simply the beginning. The whole yes. reef is known as the Vestian web, which is made up of objects in the reef, which includes several objects, asteroids, which are both with both fallen and earth ships included. Um, the Vestian outpost is made up of fallen catch and asteroid 5560 Amethyst, which the outpost is the gateway to the Vestian web. Um, it's usually the farthest that we can get as guardians, um, except for that one part where we got to go to the actual queen's area. Um, what else? Oh, ten. As you mentioned, Ten Hygia is an asteroid where uh, the major Woken settlement and the home to a large division of the Reef Kratarkery, but it was assaulted by the wolves, and we all presume was lost. Um, Sixty-five Sibeli uh, is the home of the key military fortress of the Woken which was the location of the Skulls' last attack, which Varix had given the Reef the plans for his attack, and the Armada was waiting for him, which ended the Reef Wars, and I just completely just destroyed this whole podcast by saying that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, that's just going over what pretty much was, which is actually the actual Reef. Um, yeah, not, that many people, awesome. not that many people know what the Reef really is. Um, and, uh, I don't think I mentioned this, but the Amethyus was the Woken space station that uh, housed a large part of the Woken population, but it was massacred by Drevis, which was a wolf baroness. Um, I mean, I can go on into crazy detail about the reef, just because I love just how it's all just a bunch of mumbled up pieces, and when I first heard about the reef raid, I thought we were going to be jumping from ship to ship and all that, but that never happened, but <laughs> that's going off topic. Anyway, what do you guys have to say? <laughs> So, well, and the reef, well, so here's that thing. So the reef isn't as, as probably as locked down. I mean, I guess this takes place after the whole shenanigans happened with Oryx. But like, so the Crucible Arena, the Drifter, is in Foundling's Gyre in the reef. So, and that's controlled by shacks. So no matter what the, how powerful the reef or the sort of reef hierarchy believes they have control over everything there, I think we've we've mentioned this in like a hundred different episodes that shacks and the red jacks will just go anywhere and take anything from anyone. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> uh, you know, and at that point, it could have been either with the queen's blessing or yeah, could, if after the queen disappears, you know, but talk Blue to bring, Petra. Blue brings up a great point, and that the the Vestian outpost that we know is at the the very edge. Like it is, it's nowhere near as it's the deep the waiting room. To the, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's yeah, the reef is way bigger, way bigger than just what we know is as yeah. guardians. Well, you would be like saying that the tower is Earth. It's like no, yeah. Earth is. There's still a lot more to it. <laughs> yeah, that's just the tower. Yeah, that's a good point, though, Blue. Yeah, it's sort of. I like to think of it sort of like um, Ellis Island. Um, 
back in the you know early 1900s in U.S. history when you you know the immigrants first came over here to uh, the mm-hmm. United States from Europe. That's where they would stop. I sort of like to think of it as sort of like that. It's if you really want to get into the reef, you have to stop there first. But yeah, yeah. obviously, we haven't been you know haven't had access in yet. But there's just so much into the reef that you know people who haven't read the lore don't know about and. I just want to stress that because it's just so cool what's actually hidden inside there that we have yet to see yet. Mm-hmm. And that brings up a huge point, sort of, and not to not to speculate or get too far off topic, but uh, in terms of future content, like the reef is enormous. Mm. You know, maybe we'll get to the point where we we are allowed to, you know, with with Petra in charge. I think she has a little bit more trust in the guardians than maybe the queen did. Uh, but who knows what she could open up? She could open up, you know, so many of these other places. Like maybe we'll get to go to the ruins of, you know, Hygieia because we have to assist the cryptarchy, you know, or we have to go to Iris or we have to go to, we'll, we'll go to Amethyst and see what happened during the Rays of Amethyst or the results of the Rays of Amethyst. Like there's so much more to explore just in the reef. It's like it's this whole other sort of ecosystem to explore. Right. And, you know, this is the viewers. Um, the cryptarchy, you know, are similar to those that we we have on Earth. Uh, but what they have on the reef, it's different compared to what we have on Earth. Uh, pretty much, the ones on Earth focus on decrypting and uncovering golden age secrets, whereas you know on the reef, it's more about encrypting and safeguarding uh, civilizations and informational structures. So they have two completely different jobs, but they both get the same name. So don't get the two of them confused because they they play completely different roles in a way. Yeah. And Master Ives is way more snarky than Rahul. Yeah, and, <laughs> but he's still an asshole. <laughs> so that takes us to uh, Book 8, Chapter 5. Uh, so, and this is Under Skolas Vassal Prissus, now or called Palace Bane, the wolves amassed the largest wolf fleet that had been seen since the Scatter. The queen could not use her harbingers against them. If she did, Imogen Rife and her fleet and all the people of Palace would have been killed as well. So we talked a bit about the harbingers. Uh, and this is an example where the harbinger is not a surgical tool. It is a tool of mass destruction. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but here's the first time we get a sense of how long these have been going on. So it says, for years, the siege endured. I find this quote infuriating as i do all things destiny time related because at this point we don't know if twilight gap has happened or it hasn't if the fallen on earth are still waiting for the house of wolves because they don't know what's happening or now we're way past twilight gap possibly even beyond mare imbrium at this point and the reef is still fighting the house of wolves I agree. I definitely agree. That's so frustrating. And that's the thing about the lore, and that's just the thing about reading any kind of text, um, you know, where it's just, like, sort of fragmented. It's like, you have no idea how much time has passed, and it's hard to speculate because, you know, that's the thing about the Destiny Grimoire, and that's why some people get frustrated when it comes to reading it, is that it's not all in one place. It's, like, fragmented Mm -hmm. into a bajillion grimoire cards and you have to slowly comb through each one and slowly put it together like a puzzle well, that's what makes it fun um i like to think that it's sort of after all the fighting 
but you know i have nothing really to back that up so continue well we we know that the battle of twilight gap happens after skolas takes over the house of wolves Mm -hmm. because during the house of kings mission petra says that the other fallen houses hate skolas because they think he betrayed them at twilight gap uh they don't know that he was busy fighting the queen of the reef they just think that skolas said whoops no sorry i'm not coming but for them to think that they must have already known that skolas was in charge of the house of wolves that means we must be already pretty deep into the reef wars because it's just now here in chapter five that skolas is the last one left to take the kel ship so Again, we don't know if Twilight Gap happens like literally between these two paragraphs. <laughs> like, Skolas is now Kel of the House of Wolves, and you know the House of Kings think that he's not coming. And then there's this year long or years plus long siege. <laughs> we just don't know, but it must happen. On the, it must happen around this point. On the bright side, though, we do at least can safely assume I think that it's years as in we know them, and it's not radial <laughs> number 554 yeah. something rotation 50 yeah <laughs> <Disc> yeah 11 <laughs> exactly uh so yeah so because the queen couldn't use the harbingers uh this siege just goes on and on and on uh and neither side would really attack the other uh on palace uh rife knew that Prisus had the firepower to destroy the entire asteroid uh Above Palace, Prisus held back, hoping to rescue Drevis and Calix Four and the other wolves that Rife had captured in the last entry we read, which is the Battle of Bamberga's Wrath. Uh, the Queen sought to defuse the siege by sending Armada Paladins Abrazire and Camilla Riar to the Hildian asteroids where Skolas was supposed to be hiding. But then, with the help of his tactician Beltric the Veiled, we'll see in the two chapters from now, Skolas thwarted them. So it's got ongoing stalemate uh that ends up being broken once again by a dreg <laughs> uh, wexus yeah wexus the meek ah uh, dregs can be such a drag sometimes <laughs> I, I i just imagine like him getting like he takes a ship he goes out there he gets all the dregs to stand on top of the ship and throw grenades uh and those dregs throw like 30 grenades and they all land in the exact same spot exactly where they're supposed to and they can't even see what they're throwing at because they're hacks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he leads an unsanctioned attack on Pallas and blasts a hole in the hull of the Athens. Uh, and, but they're stopped soon after by Hallam Fell. Wexus and their surviving followers are imprisoned alongside those they had come to serve. But they sort of broke the stalemate. Again, I'm guessing by throwing grenades at the side of a ship because that's what dregs do because they're jerks. Uh, and that sort of goes directly into chapter six, book eight, chapter six, which is Wex's attack may have been unsuccessful, but it inspired another. Uh, and it inspired Prisus, the Bane of Pallas, uh, who led another strike, and she blasted through the same Athens hull breach that Wexus had created uh, with his assault. And then she, Prisus, manages to free Calix IV, uh, but then Imogen Rife cuts them off outside of Drevis's cell. Uh, 
Persis might have escaped, but she refused to retreat without Drevis. Rife destroyed Calix 4 to prevent the wolves from recovering it, and then eventually the wolves were forced back, but not before Persis slew Rife with her own blade. So here's what we have. Uh, Blue, you mentioned this earlier, where Paladin Rife gets uh, killed by Persis Palace Bane. Uh, and then Imogen Rife's protege, Halam Fen, uh, creates a line of communication with the rest of the reef, finally. Uh, and then the the Tekyuns and the crows. So the, here's the thing that I was talking about like a bunch of chapters ago. So working with the Tekyuns and the crows, they create an enormous visual illusion of the Harbingers, making it seem as if the queen had finally decided to cut her losses and destroy the asteroid. It worked. The false Harbingers, so scared of the wolf fleet, uh, that broke ranks, and the combined forces of Commander Fenn, Paladin Leona Briel, and Paladin Camilla Rayar slammed, capturing Princess Palisbane, driving off the rest of the wolves. Okay, we have a precedent here. <laughs> the Harbinger, the Tekunes, and the Crows created an enormous visual illusion of the Harbingers. Could this be the same thing we saw in the Assault in the Dreadnought? Yes. Like, maybe everything that we saw wasn't really what we thought we saw. I don't think so. Here's the precedent sent for it. I really think it was this all an illusion. Because, um, you know, as we know, the Tekans are, they, they are advisors to the Queen, and they possess really strange powers. But they have two known abilities, which is the illusion, illusion and telepathy. And also they have some really strange uh, body augmentations, if you uh, reference to the uh, text for the Fusion Rifle Tekken Force. A Tekken's body shimmers with elect electronic implant augments, which is kind of interesting because where where do they get these electronic implants in the first place? But anyway, um, I, I mean, have a theory. Go go, Telly. <laughs> this is this is pure unadulterated spin foil. Uh, Put your hats on. So <laughs> this is this all goes back to people believing that the reef. Or Marasov is somehow related to Savathun. Uh, there's references to it even here. Uh, I don't think I read any of them directly, but how the coven is set up, the technologies they use, uh, it, all these different sort of tiny hints that oh maybe maybe the queen isn't as purely awoken as she says she is, and maybe the Savathun's a play. Anyway, going back. We know that in the Books of Sorrow, Oryx gifted the Vex greater mind Kira Blade Transform to Savathun. So if Savathun does have influence over the Tekians, the Coven, the Queen, we, these implants, these things could be modifications of Vex technology. Uh, we know that the Vex can instance themselves. They can project all kinds of crazy things. They, you know... Their, their powers are not so far removed from the Tekians. And if the Vex are really just, you know, a metallic host for a liquid organic life form, why can't the reverse be true? Why can't Vex technology be utilized in actual, like, life forms, non-liquid life forms, and still have access to maybe some of those abilities? Hmm. But that's, that's a good theory. I the like, Vex tech. I like to think of it as that... You know, if this is actually Vex technology, that it's sort of like a time gate in a way, where the, the, those ships don't actually exist, but they once did in a different time place, 
and that they're just mm-hmm. being sort of displayed sort of but you know they they they're from a different time dimension and since that these Tekkens have this vex time gate ability that they're showing these old ships from the actual reef wars when the the the, the queen actually had this huge reef this ships laying around and that's why we see that and so sort of that uh oryx thought that we had that the queen had this humongous force and that he just single-handedly just defeated the whole queen's force but really it's not the end of the queen and now we just gotta wait for future content to find that out here at bungie do we do we believe that Possibly this is where Skolas learns of Vex Tech, which he'll later hunt down in House of Wolves. Huh. Possible. Possible. Yeah, possible. definitely. Yeah, and that, uh, that spin foil theory yeah. drop of yours, <laughs> that's actually along the same lines of my Harbinger theory, because in the uh, the Books of Sorrow, we learn about Sabathun and how she vivisects the, the dragons. Mm-hmm. And uh, my theory is that the Harbingers are the, uh, the vivisected... Uh, versions of those dragons oh interesting huh. I, th- I definitely think there's a tie there's there's something tied up here going on they're the awoken are more connected to the other these other enemy races than than i think we think they are yeah uh, i think we're going too deep and we're just <laughs> it's just like the the next dlc is going to come out it's like hey guys your your theories are awesome but really, it was something but... very simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's all very cut and dry. You know, we can make this very complex, but a good majority of our game, our viewer base, would understand it. So here, just have this. <laughs> no offense so. to certain people. <clears throat> so here, we, so now we have Halam Fen becoming one of the seven paladins, and we have uh, Emojin Rife. Uh, you know. Probably for Imogen's fire named for her uh, is now dead at the hands of Persis Palace Bane. That takes us to chapter seven, book eight, chapter seven. Uh, so finally, Beltric the Veiled left the Hildians and a massive fleet of Fortuna to replenish his catches ether from the organic compounds found on the asteroid surface. This is actually true. So, this is the asteroid 19 Fortuna, uh, it's one of the largest main belt asteroids. Uh, its composition is very similar to Ceres, and we know that Ceres is very important to the House of Wolves because its surface is heavily weathered but contains primitive organic compounds, uh, so including uh, tholins. And a tholin is a class of heteropolymer molecule, but it's also found in methane and ethane. So this is there are resources on these asteroids that are very important to the fallen. Uh, because the fallen breathe, they live off ether, and so any asteroid that can provide that for them is going to be a very valuable resource. Uh, the ships landed on Fortuna one at a time, the rest forming a defensive screen around the surface. He believed that Paladin Zyra would attack the screen and destroy her fleet against their shield wall. <clears throat> but Abra Zyra's fury over the Battle of False Tidings had chilled over the years into an icy, clever resolve. She separated her forces in two and engaged Beltrix Vale with what he thought was her entire host, but in secret, Abra developed a second fleet with a weapon the Reef had been working on since Bamberga, Carbidus. We'll talk about that in a minute. A gravity weapon strong enough to knock asteroids off course. 
Carbidus caught asteroid Tenet in its beam and flung it into Fortuna, destroying both and severely damaging Beltric's fleet. Beltric was easily captured, the ensuing chaos, and swiftly brought to the Queen. Uh, the fight became known as the Fortuna Plummet, as are, on occasion, the remains of Fortuna in Tenet as well. After the Fortuna Plummet, one of Prince Alden's crows returned with a message from a fallen by the name of Varix of the House of Judgment. Uh, so the two big things here, also, I just need to mention that, so they call this weapon, it looks like it says Carbidus. It's, I don't know if this is an intentional typo, uh, <laughs> because, so first of all, there's an asteroid called 388 Carbidus, C-H-A-R-Y-B-D-I-S. Also, Carbidus is a monster from... Yeah, from classic mythology. Also, if you played Final Fantasy XI, you know Carbidus very well because you dropped Kraken Club, the most broken weapon in the game. Uh, but anyway. Because <laughs> it allowed you to break your attack cycle and attack up to eight times in one round. Uh, so either way, it makes sense for what this weapon is. But a gravity weapon, we've... What do we think the implications of this gravity weapon are? Like we've never seen anything like this in the game so far. Uh, strong enough to knock, knock asteroids off course. Why didn't they use this thing to just fling asteroids at the dreadnought? Like, and again, That's a good question. <laughs> well, again, let I hate to I hate to keep doing this. Tie it back to the books of sorrow. We know that the hive frequently attack other civilizations with moons and planetoids and things like that. And here we have the Awoken with a weapon know, with a weapon that dislodges celestial bodies to throw at other celestial bodies. So, where did that technology come from? <laughs> uh, on the flip side, we know that the Traveler also helped create gravity weapons for some of the races that were fighting the Hive especially by turning suns into black holes and then using their gravitational waves and pulls. So either way, black matter. Yeah. <laughs> I really think it's the same tech or whatever the hell it is force that, that everything that is able to destroy planets is using, um, everything down to the Queens. Um, God, what are they called? Um, uh, her mass, the massive weapons that we keep talking about. Um, the harbingers. The harbingers. I. That's what, as I mentioned earlier. I think that's what you, it's just like a combination of you know consuming all of that void energy because obviously there's some kind of magical thing behind the void energy that obviously because everything in this universe seems to all spiral back in the end to the traveler and all these forces that he creates. Um. But, I mean, there's just not enough information in the Grimoire, really, just to fully just point out, yeah, this is what this does and all that, and it's just frustrating, but that's why we speculate, right? True. Uh, and this card, yeah, ends with, you know, I think somebody who became one of the most fan-favorite characters in all of Destiny, which is Ferrix the Loyal, although he's not so loyal here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that brings us to... Book 8, Chapter 8. Uh, <clears throat> so, in desperation, Skolas personally led an all-out assault on the military forces of Cybele. Little did he know the queen knew of his plans, thanks to the word of Variks of the House Judgment. 
no sooner had Skolas's catched arrived at the asteroid than all four armada paladins, Zyre, Rior, Brill, and Fen, caught him in a pincer movement. Calix 12, the high servitor uh, of Skurvix the sharp eyed, tried to escape, but Abrazire chased it down. Skolas' Cybel uprising had failed. He, Skrivix, Calix 12, and the rest of his leaders were cast into the Queen's prison, and the Reef Wars were effectively over. Uh, so, this is interesting because Varix, at certain points, when you talk to him, mentions that he became disgusted with Skolas during the uprising of Cybele. Uh, and that is what really sort of made him disgusted with how Skolas operates. But this reads that Cybel hadn't happened yet, and that the reason Skolas failed at Cybel was because Varix had already informed uh, the queen of his motives. So it's certainly possible that, that Varix already hated Skolas because Skolas docked Varix's arms. <laughs> if if um, I remember, I believe it was. Before Skolas arrived, um, some of his uh, I guess, captains had been killing civilians. Yes. And I think that's what um, turned uh, Barracks against him. It yeah, was barracks, a new tactics, no yeah, new tactics, detonations, blasts in civilian areas. Take the fight to them, he said. Cannot abide by the hate. Uprising, they called it. He says, reach out to the crows, to queen. The bell attack stopped. Skolas captured. Yeah. So, and so it's, I always love that he is called Varix the Loyal, uh, when basically the only reason we even know of him is because he betrayed Skolas. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to get known, is betray someone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I wrote this here in the notes. Thanks to the word of Varix of the House Judgment, I wrote just a betrayer. But if you look at the Taken King soundtrack, the the theme that plays during the Wolves of Mars missions is called Betrayer. Uh, and that's probably a direct reference to, to Varix. That's all the Fallen really seem to be able to do is just betray each other just because mm-hmm. they're so damn power hungry. And that's why they can never really get anything done because they're just so stubborn and aren't happy wherever they are in their little ranks and that's why they're just so easy to defeat even by lesser powerful enemies because they're just so damn gullible mm-hmm. and even with Eric's, we see there's a couple quotes where even still his loyalties may be a little questionable oh yeah um, i can i can him. easily see Varric's is uh betraying the queen sorry if i interrupted mm-hmm. go ahead no no go ahead um, but yeah, there's one card where it says, you know, it says talking about Skolas, you know, goes after winter, devils, kings, seeks power, kings deny him, Kell of Kings hides well, perhaps he will take back the great machine, perhaps I chose the wrong side, it is not too late, and then Petra is heard over the, the intercom. So even as he's in the reef, you know, helping the queen, he's still, maybe, maybe I picked the wrong side, maybe I can go back. To school loss. <laughs> well, also, if in the Kell of Kells card, there's a conversation between Petra and Varix where she insinuates that he may be Kell of Kells. Like now that, now that Skolas, and we've talked about poor Skolas, I mean, he's a vicious, brutal fallen, but I think what ends up happening to him is not by his own hand at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So, but there's this great Kell of Kells card uh, as Petra. So any other fallen houses hiding that he tried to convert Variks. He may seek to gather the exiles, but they will not follow. They follow none. No Kell, no Archon. Petra, what about this House of Rain, the prophecy you keep quoting? Variks. House Rain lost in Whirlwind. No survivors, but I keep their prophecies. You think many, uh, you think many claim to be Kell of Kells, but none have. House Judgment, closest thing to peace the Fallen ever know. Petra, maybe you're the Kell of Kells. <laughs> Varix, distracted by screen. Looks like Skolas's return to Venus. <laughs> uh, so Petra may hold a bit of distrust, I think, for Varix, which, I mean, makes sense. The guy mm-hmm. got to where he is by betraying the person who was, he was sort of charged to be loyal to. And people like that tend to not change their stripes so easily. So there's, I believe he personally, I just think Varric is waiting for an opportunity to, to at least take over the outpost and build a new armada. I don't think he aspires to be Kell of Kells, but I think he aspires for the houses to be united once again and to regain the favor of the traveler. Mm-hmm. Smart. He's smart, and you—you've you, seen—we've seen this many times before in history. You know, outside of Destiny, of course, where you yeah. know they obviously were a part of the enemy's team before. Then they switched over, earned their trust, made their way up to the top, wait, waited for the perfect time to strike, striked, took over, and then went for the ultimate goal. But then in the end, nine times out of ten, they just got overthrown again, and the same thing happened over and over again. But that's the thing about traitors, though. They always seem to attract other traders, so I'm kind of interested in seeing maybe <laughs> if he influenced anyone else within the reef. You know, it's all speculation or something like that. But it's just there's not much to go by in the past at this time. You know, in the current modern time. So yeah, you know everything. My- everything else that happens, you know, we're gonna be the ones you know controlling what happens because we're the ones making those decisions. But we have to wait for that. Yeah. And we know Varix is no joke either. Uh, there's a there's a great line. If you stand around Varix long enough, uh, he has this line. It says, I took this staff long ago from Devil Captain Vaz, uh, called Clever Headed. He wasn't as clever as Varix. Uh, <laughs> so Varix knows what he's doing. It's not like, I think he likes to play like, oh, look at me. I'm the silly dancing fallen in the reef. But the dude's got plans. Oh, he's no. got plans, and he's smart. He's experienced. Uh, yeah. I think he's going to try uh, locating the Kell of Kings in the future. Well, even that, like, so even if you didn't agree with Skolas's ta- tactics, especially during the Reef Wars, Skolas displayed some pretty brilliant tactical maneuvers, and mm-hmm. Varix knows all of them. He was the scribe. Yeah. Not only that, but he knows everything about the reef he knows the defenses he knows the weak spots he owns he he runs the goddamn uh prison prison i mean if he wanted if he he wanted to screw shit up he could and if it was switched that's all he has to do he knows what to do all he needs is the team to do it and all he needs to do is send one relay signal to somewhere out by jupiter and next thing you know oh look here's this house of whatever they're here to take back all their shit (laughs) bye-bye Well, he's he I mean he's definitely building a prime servitor down there. Right. Uh, we know that. I mean, uh, he, the, he is one. The, the, <laughs> I mean, the the ether parts 
the thing that leads us into the different prison. Like he's he needs to control the ether. I mean, that's how you control a house is by controlling the flow of the ether. Uh, so where may he may not even necessarily want to be Kel, he may just want to be an archon uh, or have control over the entire top of that house. Man, he's up to something. Uh, but yeah, so this this ends the reforce. Uh, I didn't mention this earlier. Uh, when we're talking about paladins, but I'll mention it now. Uh, so Yasmin Eld, the Royal Awoken Guard Paladin, there's a pretty good chance she's dead right now. Uh, she, if you recognize that name Yasmin, it's probably because you recognize the gun defiance of Yasmin, which is the raid sniper, uh, which has a direct quote from her, which is shields up, protect the queen, brace for impact, save the queen. And the transmission cuts out uh, Paladin Yasmin Eld. So there's a good chance there's not even a Royal Awoken Guard Paladin right now. I mean, if there's a need for the Royal Awoken Guard at all, <laughs> yeah. uh, with the Queen potentially gone and the Prince on Mars. Uh, we don't quite know who's defending Petra at the moment, but it's a good example of how We've watched this incredibly powerful force of paladins throughout the Reforce, uh, and now, like even they're, they're at the highest levels, the Awoken are pretty shattered right now, uh, including losing the only Royal Awoken guard paladin. Yeah, and just to back up your theory of uh, uh, she might be in dead is that most of the times when you die, you get a gun named after you, so you <laughs> yeah, <know>. you're dead. <laughs> That's why there's so. no queen, queen sniper rifle. So, we're, I'll I'll bring that up. I'll bring that up when we talk about uh, when we talk about King's Fall, which King's is an episode Fall. we have coming up. So we still have two more chapters left, though. We have Book Eight, Chapter Nine. So, Varix of the House of Judgment declares Mara Sov the new Kell of Wolves, and advised those captured at Cybele to serve her. The first among these to pledge their loyalty to the queen is called Savix, who is given the honor of the queen's throne room to the right hand of the queen herself. Uh, and I put uh, this, uh, this is one of my favorite quotes from the queen uh, when you first meet her and the fallen crawl out from behind her throne. Uh, and we go, we go for the gun. Uh, and she says, it is afraid of the fallen. It does not know that these ones are mine. <laughs> So, but we also have Savix. We end up having to hunt Savix down in House of Wolves. Uh, I have a little note here on the Queen's Breakers. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's, this is much more House of Wolves than it is the Reefers because they don't actually come, become Queen's Breakers until yeah. uh, the Uprising. That just so. annoys me, though, that such crucial players in the Lord are just like bounties and you just kill them like there's nothing. Yeah, well, so this, yeah, I mean, this is awesome. So this. How many times, and I may be asking the wrong people this question, it's like, <laughs> when you were hunting Savix, Queenbreaker, for the bounty during House of Wolves, how many times did you think to yourself, oh man, this, I'm hunting Savix, the right hand of the queen, when she was Kel of the House of Wolves? It's like, it never enters into your head, but like, this is like a legitimately important person or fallen in terms of lore. This is one of the first fallen to pledge allegiance to the queen to recognize the queen as the kill of the house of wolves uh, and to be the queen's right hand we've seen savix 
prior to this. We see them in the cutscene in the vanilla game when we first go to the reef. Mm-hmm. There was what four cutscenes in the vanilla game, and this he was in one of them. <laughs> yeah, this was one of them. So, uh, yeah. But also, there's this reference here that says, "See Book Nine, Chapter Three, Subsection: The Queen's Breakers," which leads me to believe that if we ever get the maraid fully fleshed out, that Book Nine it must detail the events of the House of Wolves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would. Chap- oh. That's one thing that I wish Bungie would do is, although, you know, the the lore isn't directly in the game, is I wish that they made some of the characters that played a large role in it have some kind of significance instead of just letting them roam around the Cosmodrome like there's just some other AI waiting to get destroyed by four guardians with Galahorns because that was what was significant (laughs) back in the day. Like, at least give them some kind of cool music or, like, some kind of awesome entry, but you know that's that's a lot of work but well how cool would it have been if during this bounty when we're hunting savix if savix was wearing like a the awoken crest on yes her cloak? like something that references to the lore that's what pisses me off a lot about the in-game is like that there's so much lore but it's like rarely referenced in game yeah like that could have been just a great little touch on that character model that was like oh yeah this was the right hand of the queen and she grabbed like one of the flags to use as a cloak or grabbed a cloak off one of the the uh the guards you know before she escaped yeah or you know grimoire in game would be cool too (laughs) i mean i don't i don't care about grimoire in game i mean i can read it outside of the game no problem but at least yeah, acknowledge of its existence. Too. That's all I want. Just some yeah. kind of acknowledgement. I don't care what you do. Make it an Easter egg. Make it something small. Just some small kind of acknowledgement. Just bring some, like a whole new dimension into the game, in my opinion. Because it's like, hey, I read that outside the game, and now this is in-game. I may have not directly seen what happened in-game, but shit, that's cool. I know exactly why that's there and why there's a crest here and mm-hmm. you know why well, that's... this Kel has a scar on his right eye and all that. Well, exactly. So this, I think two big missed opportunities lore-wise were with Tanix because Tanix A, released Ascor. Like, at any point in the Tanix strike, you could have had Varix say that Tanix taunted you, that he wouldn't go down as easy as Ascor, who he helped like there could have been any reference. I don't think mm-hmm. it's commonly known that Tanix is the one who broke Ascor out of the prison of elders. I didn't know uh, that until I got on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and Tanix killed Andal Brask. Like at any point during that strike, Tanix could taunt us being like, you're going to die just like Andal Brask did. And it'll be an, an amazing acknowledgement to what's been written in the lore that could make you go, whoa, wait a minute, what? Tanix killed Andal Brask. Like you don't know unless you read deep into this stuff. But mm. that it could be, it could be told to us in the game. It could be hinted at or thrown at us in a way where we hear it in pass and go, "Oh wait a minute, what did he just say?" And spark mm-hmm. the the knowledge to go into the grimoire and find things out like that. Right. You know, if it was mentioned that you know Tanix killing Brask was is the reason that Kate is in the tower. Yeah. And be like, wait, what? I want to go find out about this, and it, it would give you that drive to go do that like even like can you imagine in, in the tannic strike where the sort of your challenge in the ways of old type line comes up where again if varix is translating and is like 
you know, he just said you're going to die like Andal Brask did. And then Cade comes over the comms like, wait, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. go get him, Guardian. That was my best friend. Like. Those that all exists in the lore, but isn't communicated to us in the game. And it would be there's I think there's like so many little ways that could be injected into the game that would make it really, really just to really start tying story bits together. Such a whole dimension uh, that the developers are missing, honestly. And I think it's something that's that'll definitely be grasped in future content just due to the fact that they're heavily investing their time now in the story. And I mean, mm-hmm. if you pay attention at all to, you know, who Bungie's hiring and all that, they are investing a lot into yeah, their, focusing into a their lot story on team. And I'm excited. I mean, the spring update, you know, that's just something to hold us until the big boy comes out. Once mm-hmm. Destiny 2 comes out, I feel like that's going to be what Destiny should have really been in the first place. I think that's yeah. what we're, what's going to be our true story experience in that. You know, I hate saying it like this, but I feel as if what we've been playing recently is just a beta in a way. Just sort of like, you know, test and see what we like most and see what we hate the most to, uh, you know, get the best experience in Destiny 2. And I'm extremely excited for 2, but I'm also excited for what's coming next because. Um, I know this is still a little bit off uh, off topic. Um, just those few Grimoire cards that they released with that one update that you know were all in Bogot's room. Got, mm-hmm. You know, it got me all excited because they they're obviously sort of preparing us for the next content um, that's coming out in the spring, and obviously it's more than likely going to be Hive um, oriented. But I'm hoping that obviously the Stranger is going to come back into this, and you know sort of spice things up in a way because you know how she does her (laughs) little spiciness so this will take us to the last the last chapter so it's book eight chapter ten uh though many wolves knelt to the queen some refused to admit the war was over a group of wolves rallied under the banner of the would-be kel valiknis called the ravenous but before Valiknus could strike at the reef, the reef struck at him. Lieutenant Petra Venge, a corsair who had served under Paladin Abrazire during the Hildian campaign, hunted down and captured Valiknus. Uh, and this doesn't tell us this here. This mission is what causes Petra to become demoted to emissary from lieutenant. Uh, again, you don't get the hint of it here. She just says it hunted down and captured him. She botched this mission badly. <laughs> uh, but it also introduces something here at the end of the Reef Wars that may not have been known or seems a little bit abstract. So let's we'll jump into that real quick. Uh, so during the hunt for this guy, Valixness, uh, the Ravenous, she calls it an airstrike by the crows. Uh, and they're in... The bombardment that the crows do, three strike teams of guardians get killed. And this deteriorates city reef relations. So, what hasn't been mentioned over all these things that we just read about the reef, at some point, the reef and the city get in touch with, with each other. They don't have the greatest relationship, but they know each other exists, and guardians start flying out to the reef. Uh, and that leads to this, uh, with Petra's assault, ends up killing a whole bunch of guardians. How? I don't know why their ghosts couldn't just revive them. Who knows what she used? Maybe the crows have some way to kill guardians. We don't know. Uh, or maybe they were just vaporized into dust. I don't 
doesn't explain. It just says it killed a bunch of guardians, three strike teams worth. So that's what nine guardians. Uh, so, and it goes, this goes into full more detail in the Petra Venge card. Uh, <clears throat> just, it was my pride in my position that sustained me through the Hildian campaign that led me to victory in the battle against Velenkis, the forgotten Kel, the last hope for the unchained wolves. But now that I know my wolf, <clears throat> my willful pride that brought me low. My lady offered me the only explanation I can. I did not know the guardians would act as they did. All I had known, all I have ever known, <clears throat> are the ways of the Awoken. The wolves were entrenched in that valley. The approaches were blocked, all sight lines covered. The assault on their position was madness. We would have spent precious Awoken lives for nothing. I saw the guardians. I knew they were on the move, but I assumed that they saw the situation as we did. That it was folly to call in the crows. Prince Aldrin's fighter wing did a masterful job. The blast was pinpoint precise. They tore apart the wolves and the guardians and their ghosts. Three strike teams of guardians gone in an instant on my order. The city's anger, the speaker's condemnation, all earned, all fair. But it's been years since the reef wars. This, this city... These people, they are not like us. They do not understand their place in the world. And I do not, and do not listen when I speak it. So again, we have this mention of years since the Reef Wars. So again, at the end of the Reef Wars here, Guardians were up there. Uh, why they were up there? How did they get access to the Reef? The Queen hadn't let anybody in yet. She been, they mentioned that we're the first to enter Awoken territory in a long time. Uh, but that can't be true if this is true. <laughs> uh, also, again, it says that the ghosts were destroyed, but what what weapons do the fighters have <laughs> that <laughs> destroys ghosts that can destroy ghosts and guardians? Although I love reading this because it says, "I see, you know, I saw the guardians knew they were on the move." So imagine yourself as one of these strike teams. You're thinking to yourself. Oh, we can get these wolves out of here. We'll just go die over and over and over again until they're gone. <laughs> and and the Awoken are like, what is happening here? Like, uh, just we have to bombard them, not realizing the Guardians are just like immortal fighting machines. <laughs> so obviously the tactics would differ maybe just mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, th- again, why? And this is you know, and then it very much seems like uh, as much as it was a demotion for Petra, the queen very much offered her to the tower as, you know, and we'll learn this later on House of Wolves, the queen loves giving gifts to people who she feels may be slighted. <laughs> uh, you know, she gives Skolas to the nine. She's basically giving Petra to us. Uh, luckily for us, Petra goes on to be much more of a character than just the emissary. I loved working with her in House of Wolves. Mm. Uh, but yeah, this was her folly. This was this is her killing guardians and how she ended up in the tower in the first place. So yeah, I get the the idea here too that you know they didn't they don't really uh, they haven't got to the point where they understand guardians a whole lot. And you know that's kind of yeah. obvious just in the tactics and you're not understanding that their tactics are going to be different than the Awoken's but even the and they do not understand their place in the world and do not listen when I speak it. And so she's kind of sounds like she's kind of talking from this this air almost as we talked before. We're like, 
she's she's looking at these these guardians, these humans, maybe even Earthborn or Vulcans as you know not equal to her and and that they're not really responding to how she feels they should. <laughs> Yeah, well, again, like she says, the only thing she's ever known is Awoken, Awoken mm-hmm. culture. Also, and from what we discussed way back at the very beginning, uh, you know, Awoken, Earthborn Awoken, or Awoken who are on Earth, not always greeted so well when they return to the reef. And I think that was probably a huge fear for Petra, like being sent to Earth to stick stick around the tower, like, oof, of all the... Of all the places to get stuck. <laughs> yeah. And knowing that when she goes home, people will be like, oh, it's Petra. She was all the time oh. she spent on Earth. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, well, that gets us through the uh, the maraid that we have at, at this time. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the... Uh... That's the Reef Wars in a, in a in a show in one episode. Yeah, and it's there's so many areas where you can dive deeper on things too. And at some point, we're gonna have to do it. Just like the battles can get intense, the characters, you know, I mean, you you could discuss the Harbingers and the Paladins and all the different Baronesses and things like that. This is there's there's so much here. It's it's amazing. And like, yes. so, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, hey, sorry, it's X-ray. Um, <laughs> like you didn't know, I guess. I, sorry, I, I was going to say, sorry, I zoned out a little bit there. I was I was deep in conversation, then I would wake up occasionally and, and hear you guys, and, and that's nothing against the content. This was awesome, and I can't wait to go listen to the parts that I don't remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, like you get some sleep, man. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's so late. Um, but... Uh, but man, so good. And the, I mean, there's so much more about the fallen that we need to talk about and, and like all those, all the, all the wanted, uh, cards. Um, yeah. Well, remember we, so we just read 11 chapters. Each one of these chapters corresponds to like a, a significant player from the house of wolves who we didn't even go into that much detail about. Like, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have a lot of that detail too. And then some yeah. more of the grimoire. I mean, for for again, people that are are listening that haven't really dug in at all, and this has become kind of one of your your main sites to get or main forms to get information about the the story about the grimoire. Man, there is so much out there, and and you know we're still we still have so much to cover. It's it's just uh, it, it's great, and if you can go out and and read some of this on your own and and bring us some questions and and let us know what you think and your opinions are about some of this stuff, because a lot of it, like you've heard, you know, there, we talked a lot more speculation, I think this episode than we have in, in many of the other ones. Um, but it's because of the way that a lot of this is written right now and, and it's building up to something bigger and better. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot more fallen to, to come. So, but the, the reforce are the best place to start because it's sort of the almost as far back as the fallen go, other than the really deep stuff dealing with the elixir and the whirlwind and things like that. So, yeah, well, I think it's cool too. I was telling uh, Drop and X Ray earlier when I, when the House of Wolves first came out and they released the, the Grimoire cards for the Maraid, I kind of read, read it and kind of skimmed through it 
but I didn't look at the information as in depth as I did have as I have recently. And so at the time, I thought those were kind of current events, like that that was taking place at during the House of Wolves. And so then when I read, read it again, knowing the timestamp, like knowing that this was, you know, it's going at the same time as you know Twilight Gap, and even before our Guardian kind of interests the picture, it's, it definitely opens your eyes at things that are going on. That's pretty cool. And Blue, thank you for uh, you know, you know, jumping in last minute. You know, yeah, kind of really, a... <laughs> really last minute. Yeah, I barely had it... any time to prepare anything, but <laughs> I'm like scrambling notes here, and it's like, boom, oh, it just come awesome. in and just throwing in random nonsense, spoiling the stream by talking about stuff that's like eight chapters ahead. But yeah, it was fun. <laughs> no it's cool no come back come back for a house of wolves or or the fallen stuff there's so much more to talk about yeah you know, I'll, I'll i'll come back if uh bife comes on you know we always have a good uh banter it was, it was confirmed so, by fell asleep in his chair yeah he did send us a tweet like 20 minutes ago saying oh i fell asleep it's like, eh. He's like gosh gosh <laughs> sucks to be so, here yeah, we'll have to we'll have to bring bife back on and yeah we'll get we'll dive into this stuff a little more a little deeper and have some fun. It'll be awesome. <laughs> we'll, get him, we'll get him some Red Bull. <laughs> so, does it work in reverse? So, if we schedule you for the next episode, Blue, you'll fall asleep and then we'll get Bife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you schedule it this late, then yeah, I'll probably fall asleep. <laughs> but if it's earlier, I'll be there. <laughs> well, we normally awesome. schedule about three hours before, three and a half hours before this, or, or even more. Uh, but it was just, <laughs> it just kept getting later and later and later. Yeah. And then I saw you tweet something. I was like, well, he's awake. You just tweeted something. I was if he wants to come on. I was just about to go to bed too. <laughs> uh, nice. Well, we appreciate you coming on. It was, a, it was a blast. Yeah, we definitely do. Thank you so much. Have me on again and I'll bring puns. Perfect. Yes. Right. <laughs> we'll, do a whole, we'll do a whole pun episode. Yes. The, there's no grimoire to my puns. It's just. I don't know where it comes from. It's 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 this sort of like you know, comes from the traveler. You know, I can't tell you how it comes, but I also <laughs> well, here I, we go. I look up to the sky and I speak to the nine, and they tell me what puns to say. <laughs> so, uh, are there any puns in the grimoire? Oh yeah, totally, totally. You know, uh, just gotta wait for my grimoire pack to come out with uh, Destiny uh, Year Ten. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, nice. I'm currently nice. writing the the grimoire for it right now. So nice. Yeah, <laughs> looking forward to it. All right. Well, I guess that wraps this one up. And again, sorry for uh, missing last week. Uh, we're gonna make it up in April. Uh, if you didn't, if you haven't been watching us or watching us, listening to us since the beginning, uh, you know we started. It'll be our about our six month ish anniversary. Uh, in April, and we plan. We we've got a few tricks up our sleeves. We're we're trying to to get going, and and we should have have a really good full month uh, of of podcasts and and maybe a few other things um, kind of podcast related. Yeah, there we go. It's shenanigans. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get out there on a, maybe a couple different fronts and and do some stuff. Uh, so 
If you have any suggestions or comments or questions, you can definitely reach out to us on Twitter at dghoststories. You can also email us at destinyghoststories at gmail.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, go on there and leave us a review or some comments there because I love reading those comments and seeing what people have to say. Uh, and, And I know a lot of people that listen to us don't necessarily use Twitter. So it's not always a, a easy place to, there's not always an easy place to go leave us comments. Um, if you're listening to us on Podbean, they also have uh, a way that you can leave feedback there. So please do that. We re- I read it all. I don't know if everyone else does, but I go out there and I read through it all. And I go out and read some of it multiple times just because I get a kick out of seeing what people think about us. Uh, so it's, <laughs> ego. it's great. What's that? <laughs> Feeding your ego, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, man, no, no, no. He has to read them so he can add their names to his thank you list. Yeah, dude, I've got this. <laughs> I've got this massive podcast. That, this episode is going to be out. It's going to be about right now. I'm up to about thirteen hundred names that 13? I'm thanking. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just me. It's going to be me for like four hours just saying <laughs> yes. thank you. To so, someone once told extra that he said thank you too much. So that's he's, yeah. That's... He's gonna. He's gonna go. That was one of the that was one of the comments <laughs> that was on iTunes and dude no man I am I make sure I, you thank that guy I know yeah yeah <laughs> I did I did on that episode of, of one of our episodes um, but no man we I'll tell you what if if there's something I've learned about the, this group that we're with that ego is not involved here at all I mean this is just we are uh, behind closed doors you I mean we are just all still floored I mean jaws dropped at how many people listen to us and give us feedback and, and, and enjoy listening to us babble about the lore. And it's, it's amazing. And I can't, Hey, I'm going to do it now. I can't thank our listeners enough (laughs) for listening and sticking with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, it is, it is, it's humbling to me. I mean, it's like, I would have never imagined that we would have gotten kind of the following that we currently have. And to talk to, to you blue and, you know, we to make plans got, with Fife to make, yeah, to making plans with Fife is amazing. It's you know, one day ass. those plans might come to fruition and, and we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> talk face to face or whatever. Um, you know, we've, we've met some great people through the podcast and it's, I just, again, can't wait to see what, what's coming. I mean, only, it's only six months in, we've got another, you know, eight and a half ish years to yeah. meet more people and do more stuff. And, and uh, it's it's going to be a, a fun ride. So I hope everyone sticks with us. <laughs> Year okay. 10, last show is going to be the all blue legend pun hour. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Just, I like it. We're, you know, we're going to read your pun grimoire from. from <laughs> well, we can play the uh, Cars Against Humanity yeah. version 5. Version 5. Live on air. Yeah. That would uh, be good. Oh, God. Uh, this could be a rated extreme but <laughs> yeah we'll have to yeah. throw the mature rating back on i think yeah so it'll be um, it'll be a fun hey 10 years from now the show might be in vr so who knows <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah if we can't get bife on though we can uh always do the uh we can always do a show at destiny con a live show Ooh, i know uh, i like it i know gabble's planning on going um i got permission from the wife which is the hardest part so now <laughs> i just got a wrap <laughs> right it's a trap. Don't do it. So uh, I'm hoping I can go. That'll be fun. I would love to go, but I cannot. It's okay. Maybe someday. Skype. Yeah, maybe next year. Yeah, Skype. 
but it'll be all right. It, it, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out of Destiny Con. It sounds like it's going to be a blast. So it's going to be horrible because <laughs> I'm going to be there and I'm just going to force myself into having a comedy hour. Nice. That sounds terrible. That's <laughs> the point. So now I'm kind of kind of thankful I'm not going. Yeah, I'll probably get thrown out and never allowed to come back again. But you know what? It's worth it because someone's going to record it and it's going to go viral on YouTube because he doesn't like horrible puns. <laughs> Just change your name and go back next year. Go back. The, some, the uh, legend. The, the leg- I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Who All the right, hell is so. this guy? <laughs> uh, well, right, cut us, take us out, X-ray. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Sorry, I'm I'm very punchy. I'm going to go sleep for about three hours and get up and go to work. And uh, hmm. thanks again. We will see you all next time.